readings from Jonah 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, and God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at the dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is God's word. Well, good morning. If I've not met you yet, my name is Bijan, the pastor for our church, and excited to be looking at this chapter with you today. As we begin this morning, here's my question. Why are you in London? Some of you were born here, so I guess the better question for you is, why are you still in London? Others, many of you moved here. You chose at some point in your life to come here. Why did you come? Jonah chapter 4 is the end of this incredibly fascinating story that we began looking at a few weeks ago. And one of the things that we see today, which has actually been a major theme throughout the book, is the theme of the city. In the very, very beginning of the story, God comes to Jonah and says, go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh at the time was the biggest city and the most important influential city in the world. And God says, go to the big city, go to the great city. And then here, the very, very last verse of the book, God says to Jonah, should I not love the great city? This book is in many ways a book about the city. And more than that, a book about how Jonah relates to the city and about how God relates to the city. But remember we said a few weeks ago, the story of Jonah is not actually about Jonah. It's about you. This is our story. Jonah's just a representative. And so the question for us today as we look at this chapter is not how did Jonah relate to Nineveh, but how do you relate to London? Do you love this city the way God does? That's the question that's before us today. Incredibly fascinating. And by the way, next week we're going to have one more sermon on the book of Jonah, kind of looking at the whole thing. But today, 
focusing on the city. So let's look at this passage and see three things. First, God loves the city. Second, we're going to see how you can love the city. And then third, what you need if you're going to be a person who's going to love the city. So God loves the city, how you can love the city, and what you need if you're going to be a person who loves this city. So here's a question. What's a city? Someone asks you, how do you define or describe a city? It's actually quite hard to define city. But if you were going to describe or try to find things that the big cities of the world have in common, you would find at least three things. First, cities are places of density, places where lots of people live. They're places that are packed with people. Even here in verse 11, when God is describing Nineveh, he says it's a city with 120,000 people which back then was a big city. So density filled with people. But the other thing that cities have is not just they're dense, but you might say proximity. There's a lot of people who live there, but they live very closely to each other. They live almost on top of each other. So cities are densely populated and very, very filled in terms of proximity. But not just density, proximity. Third would be influence. Cities are places that have an outsized influence on the regions or the cultures around them. It's no accident that God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Because if Nineveh is experiencing a revival, that is going to flow out of Nineveh into the rest of the Assyrian Empire. What happens in the city doesn't stay in the city. It flows out of the city. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was planting churches in the New Testament, he picked the big cities of the Roman Empire. Why? Because if you reach the city, you reach a region. That's what a city is. Density, proximity, and influence. And don't you know that London is one of the world's leading or global cities? It's hard to rank cities in terms of importance, but London's got to be on the top five of any list. It's one of the most important strategic cities in the world. And more than that, the world itself is becoming increasingly more urban. People are moving to cities faster than they're leaving them. Greg Clark, he's a Londoner, he's an urbanologist, studies global cities, an expert. And in his recent book, says that it's predicted, if you look at the data, by 2100, nearly 80% of the world's population will live in urban areas will live in cities. People are moving to cities faster than they're leaving them. That's what's happening in our world. And we live in London, one of the world's global cities. And so the question for us, which is the question that God's presenting to Jonah, is how do you view the city? How do you relate to the city? And what we're meant to do when we look at this chapter is to contrast Jonah's heart for the city with God's heart. Because look at Jonah. In the passage, Jonah has just preached the city is having a revival, and Jonah's angry. Jonah's upset. So he actually goes outside the city, and he sits down to look, and he's hoping in his heart that God's still going to judge them. He's hoping fire is going to fall from the sky and burn them up. Jonah hates the city. Jonah is selfish. And Jonah doesn't want Nineveh to experience mercy and compassion. Jonah wants this big, bad city to burn. He's very selfish. And even as the city is turning back to God, he's angry about it. Now you say, well, Jonah, you're terrible. I'm not like Jonah at all. Listen, you might not be like Jonah in the externals. 
But when you press down a little deeper, we realize that we might have more in common with Jonah than we realize. Because think about it. How is Jonah relating to the big city of his day? It was through selfishness. He cared more about himself than he did the city. And I ask you, why have you come to London or why are you still here? And I think if we're honest, many of us would have to say that we are here to get something from London rather than something that we can give to London. We have a little bit more of a use the city mentality than a serve the city mentality. We came to London to pad our CV or to make a lot of money or to meet really cool and interesting people and have fun and have a great time. Now, by the way, those are all really good reasons to come to a city. But if that's your ultimate reason for being here, then your mentality is what do I get from, not what can I give to? And in some ways, you're more like Jonah than you probably think. Because it's self that's most important. And what God is wanting Jonah to experience in this story is what he wants all of us to experience today. A change of heart where we learn to love the city the way God does. Look with me at verse 11. Jonah's angry. He's seething. He wants the city to be destroyed. But look at what God says in verse 11. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh. That word concern is a very hard word to translate from Hebrew into English. But let me try to unpack it for you. If you love somebody, I mean, if you're deeply connected to somebody and you hear that something bad has happened to them or something bad is happening to them, you don't say, oh, that's terrible. Okay, so what are we gonna have for dinner? Like, if you hear that someone that you really love is suffering, you feel deep distress on their behalf. If they're suffering, you suffer. Their problems become your problems. When you understand that they're going through something painful, you become anxious. You're filled with, how can I help? What can I do? If you had it in your power to help them, you would. My old pastor and his wife used to say that as soon as they had their first child, they realized that never again would they ever be happier than their unhappiest child. Why? Because when you deeply love somebody, your love attaches you to them. And you can never really be happier than they are. And that's what God is saying. That's what concern here means. His love, his heart is bound to the city. And so when he looks at Nineveh, he is filled with concern, with pity, with compassion, with love. He sees a city filled with people who are far from him. A, a city packed with people who are experiencing profound need. And he is deeply grieved and emotionally connected to that city. And that's how God feels about London. When God looks at this city, he feels the love of attachment. Deep concern, deep, <laughs> he sees brokenness and beauty. And his heart is bound to this city, longing for its healing. So when God looks at London, he sees incredible wealth. And there is a lot of wealth in our city next to heartbreaking poverty. And his heart is grieved over those inequities. 
When God looks at our city, he sees, like many of you, incredibly talented people, like remarkably gifted people, bright people who are exhausting themselves trying to curate an identity based on their own achievement. And he looks and his heart is broken over that. God sees a city filled with people who are hopeless and lonely and scared because they've turned away from him. And they don't have deep hope that comes from a personal relationship with the living God. In other words, God looks at our city and like he did Nineveh, he feels concern and love and compassion. And so the question for us today is, do we share God's heart for the city? Do we love London the way he does? So I want to, but how do I do it? What does that mean practically? Like, how do I become a person? How can I love the city? Well, that's what we want to talk about here on point two of our sermon. God wants Jonah to have a change of heart. He wants us to have a change of heart. But practically, what does that mean? Like, is it just a feeling? What does it look like in action to be people who love our city? And we don't have to wonder because God actually tells us in another spot in the Bible. I mean, this is fascinating to me. Stay with me. The events of the book of Jonah took place in the 8th century BC. So that's when Jonah's life happened. That's when this all occurred. But the actual story of Jonah was written down a couple hundred years later in the 6th century BC. You say, why does that matter? Here's why. Because in the 6th century BC, the people of God were living in exile in Babylon, which was another big city, another really bad city, another city that was far from God. And when the people of the people of God were living in Babylon, there were some false prophets. There were some, some leaders of the community who came to the people and they said, basically, Babylon is bad. Avoid the city. Isolate yourselves from the city. Have nothing to do with the city. Avoid it. And those were the message of the false prophets. They were basically saying to the people, relate to Babylon the way Jonah related to Nineveh. Avoid, isolate, don't engage, don't care about the city. And that broke God's heart. So God sends a letter to the people in Babylon. And he tells them exactly how he wants them to live. And I'll read that letter in just a second. But can't you see? What's the story of Jonah? It's meant to be a mirror to the people of God and say, are you relating to your city the way Jonah did? Or do you have God's heart? This city is, this letter, excuse me, is meant to be for the people of God at all times, a mirror to expose that we're actually prone to selfishness in the ways we relate to the city and to have us have a change of heart, change into God's heart. So God writes a letter to the people who were living in Babylon, his people, and he says, this is how I want you to love your city practically. So let me read to you, the verses will be on the screen, but let me read to you these verses. This is Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll do this briefly, but look at what God says. This is what I say. I carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. <clears throat> Verse 5, he says to the people, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. <clears throat> Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. 
Verse 7, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you're going to prosper. That's God's heart for how his people should live in the city. So let me just unfold it briefly. Three things God says about how you can love the city. First, be rooted. Second, work for good. And third, stand out. If you're going to be a person who loves the city, that's how you'll do it. Get rooted, work for good, and stand out. So first, be rooted. Hedy Lalleman, in her great book on Jeremiah, says that to be rooted literally means to live as if you're home. Live as if you're home. Many of you know that one of the hardest parts of living in London is how transient the city is. Right? Over the past couple of years, if I did a show of hands, how many of you would say, yeah, some close friend of mine left the city? Transience is one of the hardest parts about living in the city. And what God is inviting his people to consider or to have is not a transient mindset, but a rooted one. <laughs> Thank you. And a good drummer. <laughs> Thank you, brother. What we have here is this invitation to be a group of people who actually are so rooted in the city that we live in this place like it's home. Now, before London, I lived in New York for about 10 years. And just like London, New York's a very transient city. And here's a conversation I had, I don't know, 500 times. I would talk to somebody who's new to our church and I would say, how long are you going to be in New York? And they'd say, three to six months, internship, doing a semester, whatever. And five years later, they're still there. And you know what I realized? Is that we as a church need to be people who are all in for as long as we're here. Because the temptation is to come to the big city and to say, I'm not going to be there that long. You just buy your Ikea furniture because, you know, when you leave, no big deal. And we think in terms of transience. And God is saying, build houses and settle down. Get rooted. Live as if you're home. Whether you're here for three months or 30 years, be all in. It's one way you love the city. Plant roots, move from a mindset of consumer to citizen. From transience to embeddedness, be rooted. But the second thing, not just are we to be a people who be rooted, but second, God says, I want you to work for good. So look at verse 7 in Jeremiah 29. God says, seek the peace and the prosperity of your city. Peace and prosperity, in Hebrew, one word, shalom. God says, seek the shalom of your city. What is shalom? It's flourishing in every direction. It's holistic healing. It's a city alive. It's a city healed. It's a city flourishing. And God says to his church, to his people, when the city flourishes, you flourish. So work for good. Work for good. How do we do that? Well, there's one beautiful image. God says in verse 5, plant gardens. Now, I love that. Because God doesn't say to his people, when he's talking about seeing renewal and healing in the city, God doesn't say, start more Bible studies. Or start more prayer meetings. Or do evangelism. Are those things important? Of course they are. We'll talk about that in a second. But what does God say? Plant gardens. What's a garden? A garden provides food which nourishes bodies 
and it provides beauty which nourishes souls. And God says, I want you to go into your city and I want you to plant gardens. I want you to do things that meet people's practical needs. And I want you to do things that contribute to beauty in the city. You know what that means? Your job in the city is probably more important than mine. You know, I'm a pastor. My job is to give people spiritual truth, and that's important. But if you're a lawyer or a teacher or a parent, if you're an engineer or if you work for the NHS or if you're an artist, do you know what you have a chance to do every single day? Plant gardens. You get to go out into the city and do things that meet people's practical needs and also bring beauty and flourishing to try to make this city a little more whole than it was before. And God was saying, I don't want you to isolate into these little spiritual enclaves. I want you to get out into the city and bring renewal wherever you are, however you can. Plant gardens. We heard from Weber Street today. What's that? It's a garden just by Waterloo Station. It's a place where people's needs are being met and where beauty is flourishing. And God says, I want you to work for good. I mean, imagine if a church like ours was filled with people who understood everything we do in the city as an opportunity to plant gardens, to meet needs and to bring beauty. God says, that's the kind of work I want you to do. And third, not just be rooted, not just work for good. But third, he says, I want you to stand out. That's verse seven. Pray for the city. Prayer is a spiritual activity. God wants his people to maintain their spiritual influence, which means we have to look different than the city. We need to look like the people of God. And you see, this is a tricky balance. On one hand, embedded in the city. On the other hand, distinct from the city. Deeply engaged, but deeply different. And that means while we build community and friendship and immerse our life into London, we should look different than London. Our values should be shaped more by God's word than the values of the city. So we should relate to sex and to money and to power. We should have a way of relating to community and friendship and reputation. That's different. Because if we lose all of our identity as God's people, if we totally look like the city, then we can't do it any good. But if we isolate from the city, then we can't have any spiritual influence. Deeply engaged while deeply different. That's what God wants for his people in Babylon. And that's the kind of heart that Jonah should have had. Rooted, working for good, and standing out. And so my question for you today is, how can you love London more tomorrow than you are today? Where can you be more rooted, more local? Where can you be working for good, planting a garden? And how can you maintain your spiritual identity as a person who follows Jesus? That's how we love this city. The question, though, is, well, <laughs> how can we do that? What do we need if we're going to be a people who love our city? Because... Living in London is pretty hard. I mean, you know that. It takes 45 minutes to get anywhere, to get everywhere. It's a very expensive city. There's all kinds of challenges and inequities. 
There's also the exhaustion of comparison, right? The city's filled with immensely talented people. And so you're constantly comparing yourself to others. It's hard to live in the city. So the question is, how do we not just exist here, but how do we love the city as God's representatives? If we're going to be a people who really love this city, there's something that we need. And we need to remember. We're only going to be a people who love our city if we remember something. Let me show you. Look at verse 2 of Jonah chapter 4. Jonah is really upset that God has shown mercy to Nineveh. And look at what he says in verse 2 of chapter 4. He says to God, I knew you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Jonah's like, I knew you would do this. I knew you were going to be nice to them. He's angry at God's mercy. Now we look at that and you know what's so ironic, such tragically ironic? Here's Jonah looking at Nineveh, a city that deserved judgment. And yet God in his grace shows them kindness and he forgives them. And Jonah's furious. But we look at the story and we say, wait a second, Jonah. Someone who deserved judgment but got mercy instead? Jonah, that's your story. Like, Jonah, you ran away from God. Jonah, you literally rebelled. And what did God do? God gave you mercy. God gave you a great fish to keep you alive when you were bobbing in the ocean. And God gave you a second chance to fulfill his command. And even now, God is gently dealing with you. Jonah, you're angry because people who deserve judgment got mercy. But Jonah, that's your story. You deserve judgment. And God has been nothing but gracious to you. And you see what's happening? Jonah is not able to love his city because he's forgotten the mercy of God to him. Jonah is angry at the city because he doesn't remember how compassionate God has been to him. One commentator writing about this puts it this way. I find this very helpful. He says, one of Jonah's quintessential problems is that he has forgotten God's mercy to him. Jonah is suffering from a spiritual memory lapse. He too has experienced God's mercy, but now he's ill-equipped to appreciate that mercy when he observes it on somebody else's behalf. He had a spiritual memory lapse. Do you know when you're the most selfish in your life? When you're the most short-sighted and myopic? When you think more about self than the city? It's when you too have a spiritual memory lapse. When we forget what God has done for us, how he's run after us in grace and compassion. And so what do we need this morning? If we're going to be a people who love and serve our city, we need to remember. We need to remember that we are just like Jonah, prone to relate to our city in terms of selfishness, using the city for what we can gain rather than what we can serve and give. But guess what? The God who ran after Jonah is still running after people today because Jesus Christ came into the world. You see, Jesus is the greater than Jonah. Jesus is the anti-Jonah. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus was looking at his city. Jonah 4, Jonah's looking at Nineveh. But in Luke 19, Jesus is looking at the city of Jerusalem. That was his city. And as Jesus looks at the city, 
the city that he knows is about to betray him, the city that's about to have him crucified. Jesus looks at his city, and the text says that when Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and he wept over it. When Jesus saw his city, he was moved with compassion. He grieved and was filled with love. And you see, friends, Jesus is truly the greater than Jonah, the anti-Jonah. Because here's Jonah, and he looks at the city, and he says, I wish God's wrath would fall on you. And Jesus looks at his city and says, I'll bear God's wrath for you. Jonah looks at Nineveh, experiencing God's grace, and he says, I'm so angry I could die. And Jesus says, I love you so much that I'll die for you. You see, Jesus is the anti-Jonah. And you'll only be a person who's free to love and serve London to the degree that you see what Jesus has done for you. We'll only be a people who show compassion if we realize that we've been shown compassion by none other than God himself. So look to Jesus today. Look to him weeping over Jerusalem and London and you. And see him giving himself up in sacrifice for you so that you could be saved and freed and rescued and healed and have hope. And to the degree that you see that's the degree that you're going to be a person, that we're going to be a church that loves our city the way God does. Let's pray for that now.